Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the next episode of the Guardian Mindset Podcast. Today, I'm going to rant a little bit. Um, I'm starting to lose my mind, and I can't seem to get it around uh, the issues that I'm seeing on the table here today. And our topic for discussion today is viewing the video. It is a very hot topic and something that's really got me all worked up again. And, you know, it's been a while. I started getting worked up about this topic in 2015, and there's one thing that I clearly want to do, and that is bang my head against the wall. So I'm going to ask you for a favor, but I'm going to start out with a quote. And it is an anonymous quote. We do not see things as they are. We see things as we are, all right? Now, our topic of conversation today is viewing videos. And specifically in the context of viewing videos and use of force incidents before writing our reports. And got to tell you, this is something that gets me worked up really, 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 really bad. And, and, I, and I guess I just don't understand. But the reason why I'm doing this podcast today is I just saw another article by someone, by attorney that put out and on behalf of a labor union and how watching video should be a requirement before doing your use of force report. And and I don't know whether I'm just losing my mind or I'm, I've convinced myself I'm crazy, one of the two, but let's understand one thing. Nobody should be able to make decisions for you, right? You should make your own decisions. Now, the key is I got recommendations and most people that do the job that I do are going to make recommendations. But in the end, got to tell you, the decision-making is not mine. The decision-making is yours. And so I'm going to ask for a favor. Before I come to a conclusion and I talk about it, I want you to clear your brain of all your emotion right now because I'm going to ask you a question. And the question is, in the area of body-worn camera, in the area of videos all over the place, the question on the table is before I write my use of force report or before I give a statement in a deadly force shooting, should you watch your video? And more importantly, what is the effect of watching your video? Now, the one thing is clear. If you're listening to me, you're going to come up with a, with a conclusion on the backside of this. And the conclusion is going to be very simple. It's either a yes or a no, because everybody is really stuck on the yes or no. And so I'm going to ask you for a favor, because I want to share with you what I talk about in training. And that is, well, before you make the conclusion, can we lay out some evidence? What is the evidence that we want to lay out? Well, we want, to, we want to lay out the fact that it's, when I ask you the question, should we watch the video or should you allow your officers to watch the video, it's not because I'm trying to harm anybody. And that's the key. I'm actually trying to protect you. And I truly believe, based on the evidence that I have looked at, based on talking to colleagues in the industry that we all agree, and some of them have been on my podcast, right? Uh, Dr. Paul Taylor, who's been on the podcast for specifically having to do with human factors and physiological responses. Uh, Grant Fredericks, who I don't think we've had on yet, but he's definitely coming soon on video analysis. Uh, Dr. Bill Lewinsky on human factor analysis. Um, you know, uh, Attorney Von Klein on human factors analysis in law. So here's the issue. So this all started for me about 2015 in body-worn cameras after Ferguson I would travel through the halls of IACP, uh, International Chiefs of Police, and I would hear experts, some people that I would believe in, they would say, okay, um, uh, should we watch the video? And their response was, oh, yes. 
you should watch the video. Everybody should watch the video. Not only should we watch your video, but you should watch all the videos of the incident before you testify. And so I'm a really simple guy. I was kind of like, all right, well, that makes sense. Uh, I guess that's the way to go. I, I respect these guys, and that's what they're saying, okay? But I, I got one question. And the question is, why? Why, why, should I, why should I watch my video? And the answer that I was getting was, was very simple. The answer was because it's the right thing to do. And I said, well, I don't know that that's the answer. I don't, I don't know that that's the right thing to do. I don't know that I've ever decided things because, quote, they're the right thing to do. I, I need, a little bit more, need a little bit more evidence. I need a little bit more uh, details in order to make a decision as to whether or not, quote, it's the right thing to do. And so as, I, as we talk about this, this concept and it, it brings on strong feelings, uh, I want you to understand one thing. Most of the experts that I work with in the field, I've completely agree that you should not watch the video. The only people that have said, at least in my knowledge, you should watch the video appear to be individuals directly related to uh, union, union representation. And I, I kind of get why they're saying it, which is they want the best protection for their officers. But, you know, while it might be the short-term best protection, I definitely don't think it's the long-term best protection. And what I mean by that is, how is it the short-term best protection? Well, it's the short-term best protection because you know exactly what's on the video before you write your report and, or testify. And so that way you feel comfortable that you are not going to be called out for lying in this situation. But, you know, though, something I say to officers all the time is, um, do you want me to protect you today or in the future? Because I can't do it both ways. And so what I'm talking about is the application of protecting you going forward. So let's set some ground rules for this discussion, because I think that the ground rules are very important. First, I believe that every department should have a clear and concise policy about getting, setting forth the process and procedure for viewing videos by officers that utilize force or are involved in force. Now, listen. Let me understand, let me make it clear. I have no concerns with officers viewing video recorded during the course of their daily operation for documentation purposes, including, but not limited to criminal investigations, witnesses, victim interviews, suspect interviews, and general contacts with the public. You know, some will challenge the policy of allowing officers to view video by stating that criminal suspects are not allowed to view video prior to their interviews. The response to this sentiment is that we allow officers to view video to assist in memory mining and recollection. The question is, and the question then becomes to me, why can't we use this same reasoning for use of force incidents? This is where the confusion sets in and where I hope to bring clarity. And I've written an article, I've written multiple articles on this subject. And the question lies in my mind within the legal interpretation of what we know as the objectively reasonable standard. No one, however, is talking about these legal implications of this policy or practice, which may undermine the application of Graham versus Connor. In one of the articles, I've written a couple articles, to view or not to view, that is the question. And then I wrote another one, what happened to the perception of the officer? And this perception is the basis of what I want to deal with today. 
As you undoubtedly know, there are opposing opinions to the issue of whether officers may view a video before or after writing their report or participating in an interview. I and my colleagues who regularly deal with this issue solidly agree with the recommendation that officers not be allowed to view their video prior to writing a report or participating in an interview. Now, let me make something clear, right? The, the key, I think, is because, like, I live in the state of Connecticut. In the state of Connecticut, they have a, a, a state statute which gives officers the opportunity to watch the video. So I think the bottom line is I don't know that it needs to be as much of a department policy on this issue as much as it is you better do your own research and make sure you're ready to deal with this issue when and if you're ever faced with it. So one of the things I take for granted is that this is not consistent with the position of many in policing, particularly union leaders and their attorneys. And it is, in, it is consistent with the view of many public interest organizations, including the ACLU, which automatically turns people off. More importantly, it is consistent with the views of the public at large to whom we ultimately are responsible for. Having spent many years developing policy and conducting training for use of force, it is clear that an application of force perception is a fundamental principle. So let me walk you through what happened in my world. In 2015, 2016, people are telling me, you got to watch the video. And I say, well, I need more information. What is that? So I go to the psychological section of the IACP and I say to them, listen, can you tell me what happens to a brain or to a memory when we watch a video? Can you tell me what effects the watching of a video have to our memory? Now, what would you think? What would be the basis? What would you think the effects of our memory would be in watching a video? Well, the psychological doctors came back and said, well, we can't tell you for sure. You know, we haven't gotten to the point where we could actually plug in a, a USB port into your brain and see what your brain sees before and what your memory recalls after. But there is something that we are concerned about, and that is memory in general. Being a force instructor and a force investigation instructor, one of the things that we know is that the, a lot of force analysis has to come to do with decision-making and also in decision-making, memory mining. And that's the term we use in which we're going, to, we're going to extract out of the memory the facts and circumstances which would lead a reasonable officer to believe that the force or the, the level of force that was used was necessary. Now, in this process, I have attended many certification classes in dealing with the prospect of memory, most of them uh, being the four science certification training and the advanced certification training. Um, I've watched experts testify in court on issues of memory and perception. And I agree that we tend to remember things based on the way training is, that we remember things like Morse code and dits or dashes. There's one thing that's clear from the evidence is that our memory is not a fluid video. And we are inclined to experience what experts in the industry call tunnel vision and auditory exclusion. I think we all can agree that the problem with watching a video, the effect that a video has with the memory, uh, which is Morse code, dits and dashes, is that once the officer watches his or her video um, prior to writing the report, that the video is going to fill in the officer's memory. So 
the those who take the position, in my opinion, that officers should be allowed to view videos before writing the report generally believe that this process prevents officers from being caught unintentionally lying. And that is, it will result in a more accurate, complete, and comprehensive report or statement. For the most part, these beliefs are sincerely held in part due to the propensity of the police critics to quickly leap on the conclusion that officers are being truthful even when there's a slightest of variance between the officer's statement and an event which is depicted on the video. Now, the key is this. I wouldn't have any problem if the officer could watch their video and still sit down and write their report based on what their perception was. But we know that's not going to be the case, that they want to get it as close to the video as possible because the video allegedly is what's going to hold them uh, up against their decision-making. It is also true that when reporting a report or providing a statement post-video and viewing, an officer also is able to prepare a more detailed, complete, and comprehensive report of the facts and circumstances. However, there lays the problem. The problem being, is it the truth? By viewing the video pre-report or pre-interview in an effort to mitigate an allegation of untruthfulness, the officer is allowed or more accurately encouraged, subtle or directly, to adapt his or her uh, documentation of his or her perspective of the threat or circumstances at the time the force was used to more closely match the contents of the video. While one can debate the issues of accuracy or truthfulness, one thing is clear. Viewing a video prior to preparing a report or providing a statement regarding a use of force influence an officer's representation or documentation of his or her perspective of the event at the time he or she used force. So let's let's make it clear what we're talking about. The issue on the table is that you use force based on your perspective and therefore your perspective is the basis for why you use force. Not what's on the video, not what the video shows. As you know, in Graham versus Connor, the objective reasonable standard, which clarifies the analysis point for your officer's use of force, it provides that officers' use of force is judged based on the totality of the circumstances from the perspective of the officer at the scene at the moment force was used without 2020 hindsight in circumstances that are tense, uncertain, and rapidly evolving. The so-called Graham factors used to determine reasonableness are set forth as one, the severity of the crime. Two, whether the subject was an immediate threat to the officer or others. Or three, how the subject was actively resisting arrest, a seizure, and how the subject was attempting to evade arrest by flight. This is important to remember when determining whether to allow an officer to view a video prior to describing his or her perspective of the event at the moment the force was used. The high likelihood that such viewing will allow, even encourage, directly or subtly, an officer to modify his or her description of the factors. This creates a perspective that is, well, in effect, unintentionally untruthful. If we use this process to dilute the standards of review for an officer's use of force, the, the courts may begin to reassess the concept of an officer's perspective. To dismiss the importance of the above-described protection afforded by Graham, it is, in my view, a 
disservice to policing and the integrity of the process. Events all over the country, from the shooting death of Michael Brown by Officer Wilson, all the way through to the death of George Floyd. Let's not forget the limitations of video. Videos, you know, they're not perfect. They're definitely not a silver bullet, and they're definitely not 100% accurate by themselves. Let's not forget that videos are two-dimensional recordings from the point of view perspective of the area in which the camera is pointed. The quality of the camera may record things better and clearer. They may hear better. They may The camera may hear better. The camera may see better, even in darkness, than the officer who has, the added, who has added the pressure of a raised heartbeat and physiological stresses, human factors. Will this change the norm of perception in the process for remembering? Furthermore, pre-statement interview viewing of a video, in my opinion, sets up a trap for officers when subsequently testifying in court. An astute attorney, and there are a few, need only ask this strategic question. Officer, did you view the video before you wrote your report? If the officer responds yes, he is then going to ask whether the report is based solely on the officer's perspective at the time he used force. Then it is game on as the attorney goes through each and every excruciating detail depicted on the video in an effort to cast doubt on the officer's truthfulness by pointing out details the officer did not or could not have possibly internalized prior to or at the moment force was used. The policy may also serve to undermine protections afforded an officer for percepting issues caused by tunnel vision, inattentional blindness, or auditory exclusion, or other factors affecting the officer's perspective or recollection of events. If we go all the way back to the early morning hours of New Year's Day 2009, when Oscar Grant was fatally shot by the Bay Area Rapid Transit Police Officer Johannes Merceral, Missouri's defense attorney argued that he mistakenly shot Grant with his pistol, intending to use his taser, when he saw Grant reaching for his waistband. The events were captured on multiple digital videos and cell phone cameras and watched millions of times, even by the involved officers. An outside law firm that was hired to conduct an independent operational study commented on the practice of police officers watching the videos of a deadly force incident. The report said this. Officers should not view video of an incident prior to being interviewed. Although officers view videos prior to an interview allows them to either subconsciously fill in the blanks where there are no memories of the incident or pre-plan for alibis of substantial conduct. Either way, allowing officers to view video of the event prior to the interview erodes the public's faith in the process and unnecessarily impacts the investigation. While this language is strong, we urge agencies to consider the negative effect of the officer's defense such viewing may have many years later in both criminal case and civil litigation. So your next question is going to be a doozy, and that is, when should officers watch the video of use of force incidents? The recommended practice is most use of force incidents is for the officer to complete his or her use of force documentation and then immediately sit down with the supervisor to watch the video. If there are any discrepancies between the officer's report and the video, the, uh, the supervisor can provide an explanation in the supervisor's investigative report. 
in deadly force incidents if the officer gives his or her perceived version of events. The video can be watched during the officer's interview, and many discrepancies can be addressed at that time. In my view, allowing an officer to view a video prior to writing a written report or participating in an interview in serious use of force cases in particular is a serious mistake, particularly for the officer and his or her agency. The most important part of a force investigation is the officer's ability to articulate his or her perception of the incident, not match his or her perception to that of the recorded video. Now listen, I hope that I touched on something here today that gets you thinking. If you had to watch your video today before writing a force report, would you do so? And what are the limitations to you doing so? What are the challenges to you doing so? And I'll leave you that to think about as you go forward. You know, video is not a silver bullet, but there is one thing that is clear. In the use of force and solely in the use of force, the decision to use force is based by the operator of the camera and therefore that the end result of whether or not they view the video is going to be theirs to deal with for many, many years. So with that, I hope I've given you some insight. I encourage you to do the research. This is definitely not a situation where I don't want you to view the video because I don't want you to be in the best situation you can be. I don't want you to view the video because I believe that that is the best situation that you can be. And the only thing I can't help you with is the issue of trust and that that you're still a little shy on the body-worn cameras. And we got to make sure that we can trust the process that it will work correctly in the analysis. So till next time, help those who need your help, protect those who need your protection, and most importantly, keep yourself and others safe. Thank you.